My fellow Americans, this July 4th weekend, ask not what you can do for your country, but what you can wear for it. Old Navy's got what this country needs to look great, from tea to shining tea. Run to Old Navy right now for up to 60% off the entire store. Plus, shorts are just $10 for adults, $8 for kids. And tees are just $5 for adults, $4 for kids. Hurry in. Valid 624 to 629. Select styles only. Excludes gift cards and clearance. Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because author William V. Madison will be talking about his terrific biography of Madeline Kahn, one of the greatest funny ladies of the silver screen. And because Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger, from the Mom and Pop Shop show on Dreamstream Radio, has agreed to co-host. Now, I'll bring George and William on as soon as I remind people that the chat room is open, and uh, we'd like to encourage listeners to sign up for the chat and uh, participate. We really do appreciate our chatters, as well as all our other listeners, of course. And we also appreciate William taking the time to be with us today. You know, he's written one of the best biographies I've ever read, bar none, and I'm so excited to have him on our show. His impressive qualifications include serving as an associate editor of Opera News and a production assistant on the Broadway musical Rags. I'm very jealous of him because of that, as well as being a graduate of Columbia School of Creative Writing and a former CBS News producer. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, William. Well, thank you, Betty Jo. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you agreed to talk with us today about Madeline and, How could I and your wonderful biography. How could I I, oh, I'm so glad that you didn't resist. This is so well-researched and, and fascinating to read, and I think George Bettinger will agree with me. You know, his interview with Madeline is mentioned in your in your book. He's been a guest here several times before, but William, sometimes he comes disguised as a famous movie star like Groucho Marx or W.C. Fields or Jack <laughs> Benny or Boris Karloff. We never know which ones will bring along with him, and we didn't. love it. George, <laughs> welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. Oh, hi. It's great to be with you, Betty Jo and William B. Madison. This is an honor, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful book, and I'm so glad that I'm part of uh, speaking with you about it. I'm, I'm delighted, well, too. Absolutely. George, it's always more fun when you're here, and I, I know that you do have some questions for William, but I'd like to begin by finding out a little more background um, information about the book, and, and then I'll turn the mic over to you, George, so be patient with me, okay? 
Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> okay. Well, William, uh, you know, I'm really curious about why you decided to write a biography of Madeline Kahn. I'm so glad you did, but what motivated you to do this? Well, it was a combination of factors, but I think if you had to point to one thing, it was the responses to Madeline that I saw from her fans. And oddly enough, my eureka moment came while I was watching her clips on YouTube. And if you scroll down the comments, you find that there are no people who have anything negative to say about her. Or anyway, that was true wow. when I was, you know, in, in the spring of 2008 when I first started the project. It's still uh, true. It's still true. I was looking yesterday. <laughs> so, well, it's yeah. it's really remarkable, and people really care about her, and they want a connection with her. And I thought, well, I have a somewhat similar background. I've never made movies, but, hey, I'm willing to try if any producers are listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was primarily because of my operatic background that her family thought I would be able to handle the the research for the book, because obviously music was very important to her. Well, tell us a little bit about your operatic background. Well, my very first interview with anybody ever was for the high school paper uh, with Beverly Sills in her dressing room before Mm. a performance of Verdi's La Traviata with the Dallas Civic Opera, as we called it in those days, and I ran out of questions halfway through. I was 15 years old, uh, and I had just seen uh, my sort of my first opera performance was one of her performances on tour with the Met, and I was smitten. And so I asked my journalism teacher for permission to interview Beverly Sills, and she said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Uh, <laughs> but I managed to, to talk to her and sat with her for a, a good half hour. Uh, after college, I worked with. Uh, the Court Vile Foundation for Music, and there I met the soprano Teresa Stratus, who uh, mm-hmm. was a leading exponent of Court Vile's music. And when she ran off to do a Broadway musical, she took me with her, and that's how I worked on Rags. Uh, and then oh, years cool. later, I worked at Opera News, uh, and you know, have kept my finger in there uh, ever since. So well, and, uh, I, I've never sung, but I did actually two years ago uh, perform a speaking role with Fort Worth Opera. I was the major domo in Richard Strauss's Ariadna auf Naxos. So oh, I was shrieking was in German. Yes, I was shrieking in German at the top of my lungs, and it's a measure of Strauss's contempt for the character that he's the only one who doesn't sing. Uh, but no, nobody does. Nobody wants to hear me sing, so it's okay <laughs> that I, I just shrieked in German and yelled at people. So that must have been exciting and, and fun for you. And, oh, it was uh, thrilling! Oh my gosh! At rehearsal, we looked into the pit, and there was an orchestra, and it was like, how did this happen? I am not accustomed <laughs> to this. So. Well, why did you title the book uh, "Being the Music Alive"? Well, it was a remark she made a couple of times, and I first found it in the memoir of Alan Arkin, who was her co-star a couple of times. He had a conversation with her in which he asked her, you know, how did you get into this? You have so many talents, so many things you could do. What were you trying to do? And Madeline thought for a long time, and she said, I wanted to be the music. And it's such a beautiful summation of what she actually did. I mean, even when she's reading from a script, she treats it as if it's a musical score. 
uh, it's also a phrasing that only Madeline could come up with. So it really seemed like the best title for the book. Uh, music was great. incredibly important to her, and I think most fans don't realize uh, exactly how important it was for her. Well, I knew that she was uh, great, you know, at combining the, uh, the comedy and the, and the music, but mm-hmm. uh, not until I read your book did I realize how much the how much uh, music did mean to her. And you know, I, I just have to tell you that this. This book, which, by the way, uh, is available, dear listeners, at Amazon.com, and we'll be um, mentioning that several times during the show. I highly recommend that you read it. I think it's a must-read for uh, Madeline, Madeline's fans and for anybody who likes to read about, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes information about uh, movie stars. But to me, you, you just you didn't hold back with this book. <laughs> I mean, you told everything. I can't imagine that there's much that you left out, and it's it's riveting. I mean, I, it, usually I can read a, a book probably in in one day because I'm voracious reader, but mm-hmm. this one I had to think about what you were about Madeline and what you were uh, writing about. I mean, you delved into her psyche, into her soul, and it was just it actually was riveting and to me it's just so inspiring the way you te- tell about the uh, persistence and dedication yes. of uh, of this woman who was so insecure but so highly talented i mean she didn't know that how great she was and the book is just a, a treasure definitely well, a treasure but you know what? You. I think uh, George is being patient here. I know that he wants to <laughs> wants to talk <laughs> with you. So, so George, it's your turn now. What what would you? What questions do you have for William? And I'll try not to interrupt, but I don't promise. Oh. No, no, that's fine. I, I don't mind if everybody <clears throat> gets involved in talking. I I do have some questions, uh, William. In your opinion. What were Madeline's most important strengths and weaknesses? Now, it's, it's a big question, but um, I know it's one that you can definitely cue us in on. Well, I think the title kind of gives away the first answer. Uh, I think her, her musical ability was her greatest strength. All of her yeah. early jobs she got because she could sing. And even things like Young Frankenstein... Uh, what really sets that characterization apart is the fact that she sings. And Mel Brooks told me that the idea to sing Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life was Madeline's. The script actually called for her to sing Cheek to Cheek, and she thought, well, that's uh-huh. not very sexy. Right, uh, right. So she there came was in a rhythmic quality said, yeah. about her dialogue, which yeah. you find in many classic performers. If you research the Marx Brothers or anybody mm-hmm. who work classic performers, there's a rhythm. Uh, certainly yes. there's a rhythm to the way he talks. And there was a rhythm to the way she spoke and the yes. way she punctuated things. Yes. And it was, uh, I think it's just a gift. Um, and, and music is what brought us together in our first friendship and our first conversation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she was very, very heavily involved in loving music and uh it's a perfect title i mean it well, it really the, is what i think she would appreciate the most being the music for her the idea that the voice was 
an expressive instrument and mm-hmm. not merely the way she was heard. You know, it's not right. just that she was saying words, but that she would color words. Well, yes. that comes from opera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's Absolutely. the tone that she Absolutely. gives to words. Uh, that all comes from her musical background. What were you know, the most she, surprising things that you learned about uh, Maddie from your research for the book? What knocked you out? You know, I know when you do research, you say, oh, gee, I never knew that happened. Well, there were a lot of things. I mean, there were a lot of surprises. Uh, partly, I think that's because she was really a very private person who did not share a lot of things. And sometimes she would outright dissemble in interviews so that if you find an interview and she says something, you better double-check it because it may not be true. Uh, <laughs> she's not to the point of Marlon Brando, who you know used to claim that he was born in you know, in a village in Nepal or something. Um, right. In his bios. Uh, but she covers her tracks pretty well. Certainly, I was very surprised to discover that she was still entertaining offers for operatic engagements in the mid-1980s, so mm-hmm. well after she was an established star. Uh, she did not let go entirely of the idea that she might do something in opera. I don't want to be too opera-centric, though. I mean, I, there are a lot of uh, surprises. The fact that she came up with Our Sweet Mystery of Life was a surprise. Uh, yes, indeed. The, uh, you know, there yeah. was um, there were so many different things that were special about Madeline. Uh, mm-hmm. One was um, an honesty, a vulnerability, mm-hmm. a incredible, incredible amount of natural talent. But, you know, just going on and reading lines that came out incredibly funny, and she's not 100% sure why. Right. Well, and but her colleague that was, said... that was the natural talent. There was a trust uh, factor involved, because when we became friends, it was friends all the way. We became friends, and we spoke, and we kept in touch, and uh, I think if you uh, got past that trust factor, and mm-hmm. it clicked, and she felt yeah. that, it, that little bit of comfort yeah. Um, then things were, were kind of cool. Do you agree? Yeah. Yes. Oh, she could be extremely guarded. And as for the line readings, I mean, several of her colleagues and Peter Bogdanovich said that they would hand her a script and they had no idea how she would say the words, uh, <laughs> that, that they had no idea where she would be getting laughs. Bogdanovich would find himself staring at the script saying, that's not a funny line. Why are they laughing? Uh, right. She just had this ability to find something eccentric and vulnerable, as you say. I think one of the reasons we respond to her so strongly is that she does project this vulnerability, even in Blazing Saddles. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, how did you choose the people that you decided to interview for the biography? <laughs> Fate. Uh, it was a question of who was, av- who was available and who was willing to speak to me, and then how much time did I have left? There were several people I wanted to reach out to, and I simply didn't have time. Uh, and, uh, you know, for certain, for certain projects, uh, there was a sense from my editor that, uh, you know, we didn't want to spend a whole lot of time. So interviewing more people would be uh, not helpful. We'd only have tough choices as to whom to include and whom to omit. Right. Uh, but it was really Absolutely. a question of who Ladies and gentlemen, by available. the way, this is Betty Jo Tucker's wonderful program, Movie Addict Headquarters, and I'm honored to be 
uh, co-hosting and talking to William V. Madison, whose book about Madeline Kahn, Being the Music, a Life, is available on Amazon. It is a great, great read. And I want to ask you, uh, William, who was the most fun to talk to about Madeline in interviews? Well, obviously you were, George. Uh, But in addition (laughs) to you... In addition to you, uh, there were several really tremendous uh, interviews. One afternoon, my roommate came into the living room where I'm standing now and said, who were you just on the phone with? I never heard you laugh like that. Well, it was Carol Burnett, uh, who had me in stitches, as you know she has done since I was a a small boy. Uh, And so the chance to speak to her, the chance to speak with so many people whom I admired so greatly. And I think I found with the interview subjects, as with the fans who, you know, I I hope they'll read the book, but I found that they wanted that connection. They wanted to share their stories. You wanted to share your stories. Oh, Uh, absolutely. I felt it was so important to have that interview that we did back in uh, the late 90s because she didn't do a lot of interviews. No, no. And um, to be able to have that that trust and that friendship was uh, I was you can hear it in my I mean I'm younger than of course but you can hear how excited I am at the fact that she's taking this time to do this for me and she would call me and say did you go on an audition today how did you you know uh, it was just um, a magical time I wanted to ask you how did Madeline meet Mel Brooks well it's interesting because in almost every version of the story, they did not meet until uh, he interviewed her, auditioned her for Blazing Saddles. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point, she mentioned that she had met him briefly in the Warner Brothers commissary when she came in to work on MAME, from which she was fired the first day. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, the first meeting was that audition, and the first thing he said to her was, let me see your legs. Mm-hmm. And she was horrified. <laughs> She thought, you know, what this is a casting couch. What is, I thought he was married to Anne Bancroft. What kind of an idiot would cheat on Anne Bancroft? Uh, so they they were off to an awkward start, but they found their match pretty fast. Uh, and Anne Bancroft did actually become a, a good friend of Madeline's as well. Oh, absolutely. And and our mutual friend Lily Tomlin is, you know, just a, you know, when she listened to the interview. The one that I had that I sent her, she was like traveling, and mm-hmm. she just like was in the back of a limo, and she said, "I closed my eyes, and you took me right back to her." And I yeah. felt at least I was able to do that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, as I say, you know, we want this connection with her, and that's what you know by sharing our stories, we have that connection, and by reading the stories, you know, we have some kind of a closer connection with her. We don't want to lose Madeline, any of us. Right. Her friends or her fans. We want her with us. Did Mel Brooks say anything particular, any any little insight about working with her? He's, he had one really remarkable uh, observation, which was that Madeline was the smartest person in almost any project she worked on, that she would walk into a room and nobody would be up to her intellectual level. And the exception to that, of course, was Mel himself. And he quoted right. her as saying, you're the only person I ever worked with who's smarter than I am. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm going to – I don't want to hog this. I want to give it back to Betty Joe. But I had one more question. Uh, what are your favorite – this is a key thing for me, and I'd love to know this. What are your favorite Madeline Kahn films? Well, 
I want to focus on two that I think have been neglected over the years. And the first is Gene Wilder's film, The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, because that is the biggest gift anybody ever gave Madeline. She gets to do everything. She gets to do comedy, drama, opera, operetta. She dances. She looks gorgeous. Uh, it's, It's the best example of all of her talents at once in a single film. And the other oh, yeah. is the last movie, which is Eric Mendelssohn's Judy Berlin, which is a mm-hmm. much more serious and delicate performance. Uh, it's almost hard to believe that the same woman who played Lily von Stupp is playing yeah. Alice Gold in Judy Berlin. Uh, it's just heartbreaking, beautiful work. And Madeline said of that movie, I'm so glad I made that picture before I died. Yeah. Which and is you know, you know she, even she if you look at what's up, after. what's up, Doc, or Paper Moon... She's so young, and it's so early, and yet the mm-hmm. timing and the uh, construction of the comedy is so good. It's so Well, Ryan O'Neill said he had no way of knowing that, this, that What's Up Doc was her first movie. He said they were all trying to keep up with her. And Barbara Streisand was, was, was heard to exclaim, I'm an extra in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's great. Hit, okay, Betty Jo, running. thank you so much for giving me these... Uh, these questions and this opportunity to uh, to chat with William. I mean, he's uh, an encyclopedia on many things, including opera and movies and Madeline Kahn. So thank you. He's, well, you're very welcome, and I, uh, I feel to blessed, blessed to have, blessed and honored to have you as co-host. Uh, knowing Madeline, and then uh, I'll always be grateful to you, George, for letting us use your interview with Madeline on uh, Movie Attic Headquarters when we did our special tribute to Madeline. And uh, that if yes, the, I uh, think I think, I think uh, Betty Jo, that was the first time it was played in its entirety. My God. I really do, because when we originally did it for WOR, it was kind of edited and cut up and on in, in, in spurts. But uh, that interview that you played from the get-go where I'm telling her, okay, we're going to count you down and everything. It's just so natural that that's, that it was is. the full first broadcast. Hmm. Oh, I well, that I am honored that, that we were able to do that. And listeners, if you want to hear that um, interview, I, I believe it's on your CD. Don't you have a CD? Yes, there is a CD out with... with uh, nine or ten different interviews, and one of them is the the top one at the top, uh, which you can find on Amazon. It's, I think it's George Bettinger's interviews from the mom and pop shop or something on that level. But the first one is Madeline. Oh, great. That's a good way to start out. And also, um, if listeners want to hear the Movie Addict Headquarters tribute to Madeline Kahn, which, by the way, you were uh, you were part of that, and I see that uh, our friend and uh, and uh, the very talented Nancy Lombardo, host of Comedy Concepts here on Blog Talk Radio, is in the chat room, and she oh. was um, uh, with us for that tribute. And do you remember that she sounded just like Madeline Kahn when she sang a little bit <laughs> oh, yes. well, of I'm Nancy, Tired? Nancy is a phenomenon. I mean, when she gets on the stage... She can create a song about a participant's name in the audience and go into a scat and so all these riffs. She's really great. 
Oh, that's fantastic. She is, and she, we could, Madeline I listened to her. Madeline frequently sketched out ideas for a one-woman show, which she called Concepts. So oh. how many concepts uh, is a good omen, I would think, for, Oh yeah. for Nancy and her show. So. Absolutely. I, will, I listened to her show. Uh, she has two shows uh, a week here on Blog Talk Radio, and I end the week um, with comedy concepts on Friday, 10.30 Eastern Time, 10 to 10.30 in the morning Eastern Time. And then I begin the week with her Monday show, uh, same time. And I, I just, uh, she's really kind of changed my life. I mean, I have a happy ending to the week. <laughs> and I have a oh, happy start. I have a happy start to the next week. So, my uh, dear oh, listeners, anyone listening who hasn't heard Nancy Lombardo, <laughs> please, uh, well, please it's a, it's uh, check her out nice. or buy her. She's got a CD called Color Me Crazy, which is hilarious, too. So um, yes. that would be something to, to check out. And But don't forget, also, what we're talking about today is Madeline Kahn being the music, a life by William V. Madison, and uh, it's on Amazon.com. So we want to make sure that everyone knows knows about the book and uh, knows where where they can get it. Well, you know, I love the I, sh- I should say, actually, you can Go find ahead. it on the Barnes & Noble website, as well as many Barnes & Noble stores. They bought quite a number of copies. And you can also, if you have a favorite independent local bookseller, you can go to your bookstore and say, would you order me this book, please? And they would love to do that, and it gets there pretty darn fast, too. So there are a number of yes, fabulous that's true. Options. And if you type in William V. Madison's name, on Google or Madeline Kahn, it's all going to come together. You're going to be yes. able to find it, and you yes. must read it because it's fascinating. Yes. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly, and I'm glad you mentioned the other outlets because that's Thanks. that's really important. And it's also uh, it's in hardback and in um, e- e-book Electric. form. Yes. yes. So that's good. You've covered all, covered all the bases there. Well, uh, you know, I – wondered uh what you what you found to be the greatest challenge writing this biography well this was the first biography i'd written and i think at many points figuring out how to shape this woman's life i had a tremendous amount of material the first draft of the book was two-thirds again as long as it is now uh, and I couldn't use all of that. For one thing, when I interviewed Mel Brooks the first time, he wound up the conversation by saying to me, Kid, I want you to do me a favor. Don't make this a long, boring book. So if I'd used <laughs> every bit of information I had, I would have disappointed Mel, and I didn't want to do that. Oh, uh, well, good But yeah, he was really shaping the life and, and doing justice to Madeline. Uh, she deserved, you know, my best work. Absolutely, and that's a great Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll yes. never be a George Battinger, but, you know, I, I do what I can. <laughs> that's that's terrific. You know, um, Betty Joe, I know that you have some questions that you wanted to ask. Oh, yes. I, I was really uh, interested in finding out what you enjoyed the most about writing the the book, William. Well, I think one of the tremendous things was the sense I mean, this sounds a little kooky spiritual, but there were several times when I really felt Madeline was looking over my shoulder. And 
that included such things as making sure I met certain people. Uh, a number of the people whom I met because of my research for the book are now friends of mine. George is one. Betty Aberlin from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, who was one of uh, Madeline's first uh, colleagues in New York, has become a dear friend. Walter Willison, who was with her in uh, Two by Two in 1970, has become a very dear friend. Uh, so this sense that there was somebody looking over us. Maybe it wasn't Madeline, but somebody was looking over us and sort of making sure we all lined up. That was a tremendously gratifying feeling. I agree. I agree. I, I felt that more than many, many, many times. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think even, even when the cover art came back, the first draft of the cover art, they misspelled her name, and I felt Madeline looking over my shoulder saying, really? Somebody <laughs> writes a book about me and they get my name wrong? Uh but she would have liked the excuse, which was that the art director was so enchanted by her smile that he didn't pay attention to the spelling. <laughs> so she that would like that. That would do it. That would be yeah. Madeline. That definitely yeah. would be. I was also uh, interested. Uh, I, we were talking about, of, of course, uh, George's interview with Madeline, and uh, she talked a little bit about this. But and you mm-hmm. you wrote in in the book a little bit about it, but. Why did she have uh, negative feelings at first when she was asked to sing Irving Berlin's You'd Be Surprised at a special uh, Irving Berlin tribute concert? Why was she disappointed being assigned that song? And the reason I'm asking that is because everybody knows I'm no spring chicken, and when I was in (laughs) high school, my girlfriends and I, we used to sing that song Really? Uh, to tease, yeah, to tease each other about our boyfriends, and we thought it was a great <laughs> song. And uh, yeah. so, what was oh, what great. was the problem that uh, <laughs> that Madeline Kahn had with that song? Well, she thought she was being typecast, and that was a problem that oh. began for her when she was a student actor at Hofstra University. Uh, again and again, the faculty kept casting her either as a servant or a prostitute. Um, and I just sort of lumped them all by calling them saucy wenches. Uh, so she, obviously in her film career, they kept giving her comedies. They never gave her the dramas that she wanted to explore. Not until the last movie does she have a, a, a role that's not primarily comedic. Uh, so she gets to this big Irving Berlin gala, and she had just done a Gershwin gala, where she got to sing love songs and leading lady songs, mm. and she got to dance with Larry Kurt. And she gets to Carnegie Hall, and they say, here's you'd be surprised. And she did not want to be the funny one. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. She she said, why do I have to sing the, the comical song? Right. I, I know how to sing. She was, right. It's like she didn't 100% get it, yet she did get it. But she knew people loved the comedy aspect. But mm-hmm. she had this part of her that wanted to do the legit singing. Well, and when you see the, you know, they obviously they did talk her into singing, you'd be surprised. And when you see the clip and when you listen to what she does, it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the best things she ever did. Absolutely. Her instinct oh, for that yeah. kind of material was so sure, and the voice is so secure, that she could knock that song right out of the park, even though she would rather have been singing, I don't know, You're Just in Love. I don't even know what she would have rather, what she would rather have sung. But uh, the, the the fact that she was able to do ain't got no home, Henry Frogman. I mean, you you can't you 
can't cover something like that unless you are immensely talented. With flawless rhythm and three different voices, none of which will permanently wreck your voice. Because some of those little froggy voices, you can really hurt yourself. Oh, but yeah. You know, the you, vocal cords are extremely thin. They're like a yeah. hair, like yeah. a hair on your head. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, I mean, she, she had to really... That yeah. Yes, that was tremendous. Incredible. Yeah. 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 And I, I, you can find that on, on YouTube. Yes. So listeners go over and check on uh, Madeline Ma- Madeline Kahn singing, and there there's so many wonderful clips there of uh, some of the things that we're talking about. And um, I was I was wondering that if uh, imagine that a, a movie about Madeline's uh, life, a biopic, is being mm-hmm. made, uh, you and you had uh, char- you were in charge of casting. Who would you cast to play her, and why? Well, the obvious choice would be Kristen Chenoweth because she's the right height and she's got the right voice type. Uh, she's, you know, an, uh, she's not quite the same background as Madeline. Uh, I might like to do a big search for an unknown who resembled Madeline in other ways, perhaps more closely. But if you need a marquee name, Kristen Chenoweth, who is, you know, right now in a revival of On the 20th Century, flourishing in the role that nearly killed Madeline in 1978, you know, Kristen's your first choice. (laughs) So. Wow, what was the deal with that? With, uh, oh, she couldn't even get back on Broadway for years after that. Well, she was afraid to. She could have. She just was afraid to. Uh, the, The problem with the show was... I hate to use the expression because it sounds sort of cliche, but it was a perfect storm. Her personal anxieties, her love life was a shambles. Hal Prince, the director, uh, was not sympathetic to her and preferred her understudy, who was Judy Kay, who then became a star. Uh, The music was extremely demanding, and she was afraid that giving eight performances a week, she would Mm. ruin her voice permanently. Right. So again, the fact that Kristen is flourishing right now in this part is really a tribute to her prowess. Uh, because mm-hmm. Madeline could not do it uh, yeah. for a long wow. time. If you walked into a piano bar in New York City and asked why Madeline dropped out of the show, you would be told with absolute authority that she was a drug addict. And no. what I found did not lead me to believe that that was true. It's not right, something right. that I can disprove completely, but I did not find any evidence at all. Uh, what I'm I did so find glad. evidence of panic attacks on stage, uh, mm-hmm. and just a, a tremendous number of anxieties. And her mother is sitting there the whole time saying, this show is terrible. That's what I thought maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we should talk about that. Uh, we should know uh, what you considered after doing all this research, the most important problems, personal problems, that uh, Madeline had to, de- had to deal with. Well, it can be summed up pretty quickly. I think, you know, if you watch James Lipton and Inside the Actor's Studio, again and again he finds actors who are seeking the approval of an absent parent, whether the parent is dead or, you know, they divorced or whatever. Madeline was effectively abandoned while she was still a small child by her birth father, by her stepfather, and by her mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, The relationship with her mother was extremely complex. Uh, It was extremely close. Madeline's mother gave her the talent and the skills to express herself, but she also gave her the absolute necessity 
to express herself because it was such a complicated thing that you know intruded in every area of her life. Madeline's mother was very young when she had Madeline, and uh, she had some mental health issues uh, that became more and more pronounced as she got older. She was absolutely certain that she was the star of the family, but she didn't yeah. have the kind of discipline that Madeline had to actually, right. you know, when I met Madeline's mother, uh, she sounded just like Madeline. Mm-hmm. And she obviously had the same vocal technique because she was Madeline's first voice teacher. Oh, yeah. So you think, okay, and she had the cheekbones, you know, what, what Trixie Delight in Paper Moon calls bone structure. Well, <laughs> Madeline's mother yeah. had that. So you think, well, she could have made it too, but she didn't, she wanted to have it handed to her. And, and Madeline felt a responsibility to her mother. Um, so that, that, was, yeah. that was kind of difficult yes. to, yes. to deal with. Take care of her. She just felt um, that she, yeah, that she was the one that had to pay her bills to take care of her. And beginning shortly after Madeline graduated college, she began uh, at first paying some of uh, her mother's bills, and by the mid 1970s, she was paying all of her mother's bills. She was taking complete financial responsibility, so that sometimes right. she took jobs that she didn't want because she needed the money to support her mother. She was amazing information. Woman and she, ladies and gentlemen, if you think this is interesting, oh man, you've got to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, the insecurity that uh, Madeline carried with her, and uh, but this, but this dedication and persistence, in spite of yeah. all of her problems, was what was uh, inspiring to me. There I had no idea. There was never any question what, that she would stop. Yeah, what she was, she what she was going through. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, time is going by so fast, and this is so interesting, and we want to remind everyone that we're talking about Madeline Kahn being the music, A Life, by William V. Madison, which is available at, uh, um, at many outlets, Amazon.com, <laughs> BarnesandNoble.com. You can go to, the, uh, to your independent bookstores, and you can request the book, and they'll be glad to to order it, and uh, if you're a Madeline Kahn fan or someone who really enjoys reading behind-the-scenes information about famous movie stars, this is definitely the book for you. Or if you know someone like that, this would make a wonderful gift for for that person, especially a movie. Anybody who's a movie addict, I think, definitely should uh, should read this uh, book. What is the most important thing you want listeners to know about you and your and your book, William? Oh gosh, um, that the in book one exists. sense because we only got five <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> there you go. That the book exists. No, I think uh, <laughs> Madeline is a tremendously interesting performer in her own right. It's also, and you're sort of touching on this in what you're saying about the book. You know, you, if you're interested in other. Uh, figures in the movie business. Uh, She worked with Barbara Streisand, Gene Wilder, Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, Jane Alexander, you know, the vast numbers of really fascinating, talented people. Uh, She's sort of the hub of this amazing generation of talent. Marty Feldman, Peter Boyle. uh, George. Yeah. George Burns. You know, she did Gracie for George. Yes, on TV. Uh, She worked with tremendous numbers of of marvelous performers and directors. And so if you are interested in in those other people, there's a good chance you'll find them in this book. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, people even like uh, Danny Kay, Lucille Ball. It's yes. it's really got it's just <laughs> packed. It's packed with the information about people other than uh, Madeline Kahn, Peter Bogdanovich. I mean, some of the the directors and all. But you know what? I see our time is almost up. So here's a big shout out to you, William V. Madison, for being such well, a terrific you, guest today, and to George Bettinger for his excellent co-hosting. Don't anyone go away because we've got a surprise for you for the outro music. But special thanks to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for, Radio for their support, and to Nikki who couldn't be here today, but she's uh, she's here in spirit. She does so much to help our show, as well as to Danny Dyer and Richard B. Smart for their technical assistance, and to our chatters. We've had some wonderful chatters today. Nancy Lombardo from Comedy Concepts, Katie Wellborn. I, I, uh, this is the first time we've seen K- uh, Carrie in our uh, chat room, so we're very happy that she was there and a lot of people who didn't I- identify themselves. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the show, but before we go, I'd like to re- recommend again to you Comedy Concepts here on Blog Talk Radio, hosted by the hilarious Nancy Lombardo every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time, and the Mom and Pop Shop Show, hosted by Mr. Showbiz, George Bettinger, over there on Dreamstream Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't forget all the diverse shows on the Wacko Network here on Blog Talk Radio. There's something for everybody in the Wacko wheelhouse. Please come back next time for our tribute to James Horner, the Oscar-winning who died in a plane crash yesterday. We, but today we do want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Mr. Horner's uh, family and friends and many, many fans. We will have film critic Richard Jack Smith, who is our reviewer on Real Talk for sound movie sound uh, tracks and other uh, special guests to be announced. But that's all for now. And to close the show, here's Madeline herself with a song that's a perfect example of her skill at combining her impressive singing talent and her unique flair for comedy. Thank you, Madeline Kahn, for your special contributions to music and film. Good evening. I'm Madeline Kahn. (laughs) There are those who would say that Berlin's perhaps most charming songs were written when he was quite young, such as the following example, which I will sing for you. Johnny was bashful and shy. Nobody understood why Mary loved him. All the other girls passed him by. Everyone wanted to know how she could pick such a bow.